quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. That time of the week or weekend again. Yes, guy is here. Episode number 85. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Perry, how are you this week, sir? Jim, doing great as always. Oh, wow. That's, uh, are you sure? You're always I am great? sure. Very sure there. Okay, okay, good. I just wanted to be sure because, you know, you're putting it out there. But nonetheless, that's what we do on Yes Guy. Coming up very shortly, Jennifer Hedger will stop by. Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times will be by later on. And Charles Park and Dean Romani with some sort of a crash course on real estate and borrowing money and uh, inflation and all that stuff. We'll do that in segment number three. And, of course, Yes Guy, No Guy to finish off the proceedings. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call him or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anyone. And check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic, available now in titanium, gold, or matte black. Fox40shop.com is where you go for that. Guest number one, we are thrilled to have with us Jennifer Hedger. Jen, how are you this morning? Oh, yes, guy. I'm so <laughs> good this morning. She I almost broke I... the record. Almost. <laughs> What? You mean that people come on and don't say yes guy at the beginning? Well, you know, the uh, the second or third guest, we have, we have to sort of work with them. But when you're in the number Ooh. one seed, I uh, mean, you responded right away. I'm still th- I'm still thinking about that titanium Fox 40 whistle. I had no <laughs> yeah. idea that you can get sleek. Fox 40s now in an array of metals. Yes, a sleek titanium body. You know, that's a bit of a description <laughs> there, but... But Love it. <laughs> I thought that was actually my intro with her sleek titanium body. Please welcome Jennifer Hedger to the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that, so we're okay. <laughs> Absolutely, Jim. You can go with it. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I mean, let, let's go back to the very start. Um, you know, I, I was reading your bio, and, and obviously uh, Michael Landsberg's show off the record was was a starting point for you at, at TSN. But but your first real assignment on TSN, can you rec- I'm sure you can recall it. What did it feel like? Um, well, you know what? When I actually was, like, hired by the network, it was WTSN. You remember those days? Yeah, absolutely. The WTSN yeah. days with Norma Wick and the gang. So I started um, hosting a show called Fight to the Finish, which was kind of like off the record, except nobody ever saw it because it was on WTSN for, you know, six weeks type thing. Um, So I kind of started with that and then WTSN went under and then I went under the TSN umbrella and um, I started sort of preparing to host Sports Center and I was doing it alongside, wait for it, Gino Reda. So I remember it was like the World Cup. And we didn't have shows overnight, so Gino would come in and help me sort of rehearse and do reps to host Sports Center. And it felt like I was at broadcasting fantasy camp. Like it was sort of a I talk about it sometimes like imposter syndrome, right? You feel like what? When are they going to figure out that it's just me? Like it's Jen from London, Ontario, and mm. and I'm not. You know, they're going to be like, yeah, okay, you can move along now. 
Um, it was awesome. I remember walking in and meeting Rod Smith and that booming voice and just thinking, holy crap, this is the, these are the big leagues. Like, here we go. And I just remember not wanting to screw up. It's kind of, it's kind of the same feeling I have every night. I still go into work. <laughs> Don't screw this up for yourself. Um, except that now I feel like, um, I can be myself a little bit more. I think back then I was just trying to not screw up so much. Now I don't mind screwing up because sometimes that's a good show. Jennifer, hello. First of all, I want to know, Hi. is it okay to call you the hedge? Absolutely. That's, all right. uh, that's, that's what everyone calls me, the hedge. And Dutchie calls me hedgy, but, uh, the hedge is, is absolutely what I go by. Beautiful. Okay, so you just mentioned 20 years. This is your 20-year anniversary at TSN, but my crack research staff came up with a show called The Lofters, which preceded your entrance into TSN. Mm -hmm. I saw saw some episodes of that. That stuff was kind of (laughs) edgy. It was edgy. It's crazy to think now that, like, a reality TV show watching people exist in a home outfitted with cameras would be something that people would want to watch, but... Yeah, it was it was just on the heels of Big Brother when it started in the United States, and this was Canada's version. and And the the crazy thing at the time was the 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 founder of the Lofters and UATV, his name's Zev Shalev. He had this idea that people were going to watch television on their computers, that we were going to log on and be entertained by shows and segments and produce content on our laptops and on our desktops. And at the time it was like, yeah, this guy's a freak, but he was right. Like we, that's, that's what we do these days. So it was, it was the very first inception of hosting things, hosting shows. They were called webisodes at the time, which sounds so archaic, but hosting webisodes on the World Wide web and producing this, sort of unscripted reality television, which at the time, you know, I think we were, we were making people think, wow, this is just real life. Now we realize that reality TV is, is a little bit more produced and scripted than we would like to believe. But yeah, it was, it was groundbreaking stuff. And uh, I'm so glad that we were sort of in that time where it all happened on the web, but not a lot of it exists today. <laughs> you can't just like call up the episodes of The Lofters um, which I'm very grateful for because I have an 11 year old son who would be devouring them right now if he could. So your husband, Sean, everybody knows him that's worked in the, in the business. Um, mm-hmm. at one time you and him were the power couple of Canadian <laughs> sports broadcasting. And I want to know at the end of the day, did you guys just, Hey, that was a good show you did last night. Was there any critiquing or was it just whatever happened during the day on the job was forgotten about when you came home? Oh, no, 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 no. We discussed it. And it wasn't always so much about the show, but more about what was like, what was the lead? What was happening tonight in sports? What did you think of that goal? What did you think of that play? Um, And you know what? The one thing is that people like the the great thing was, first of all, it was a great time in our lives because we both had these jobs that we loved and we had no kids and we were just, you know, really, we look back and think, man, those were good days. Um, But the other thing though, is when you have a partner that's doing the same job that you have, they understand it. And the one thing with this job, and I absolutely admit that it's a dream job. I love it. It it really is the greatest job in the world and I wouldn't want it any other way. The other truth is you can still have a crappy day at work, even if you have the best job in the world. 
And when your partner is also doing that same job, you can still come home and say, you know what, today sucked. I had a crap show or uh, it just was a, was a crappy day. And he can say, yeah, I know how that feels. Whereas I think someone who doesn't have the job would be like, how can you say that? You have the greatest job in the world. You're not allowed to have a crap day at work because look at what you do. You talk about sports every day. Um, so it was nice to have somebody who understood it. But, man, those were halcyon days. Those were... Those were the good days, that's for sure. Uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, not wanting to screw up. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. something that, that they don't teach in broadcasting school is is the fear factor. I mean, mm-hmm. that absolutely, I think it drove all of us at the start. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and you were talking about being yourself on the air. When mm-hmm. when did Jennifer Hedger appear on the air? Because there's, there's that part that you're, you're building into and, and, and sort of uh, fine-tuning your, your performance. Mm-hmm. But when, when did you show up? You know what? That's an excellent question. And the first thing that popped into my head was the 2010 Winter Olympics in in Vancouver, Whistler, um, which is, you know, 10 years, eight years into my career, which seems like a long time to finally feel like you might be getting it right. But I felt like it was a little, it was less scripted there. You know, we were sort of like winging it all the time. And doing that interview with John Montgomery and the beer through Whistler and him chugging the beer, I kind of felt like that was, a real genuine moment in TV where I was just kind of going on instinct and I was trying to be me and he was obviously just being himself. And I, I knew that the stakes were high at that moment. I knew lots of people were watching, but I also just let myself do what I felt was right in the moment. And I would pinpoint that as being sort of the start of me realizing that my instincts are good. Go with what you know, be yourself. I remember Brian Williams actually saying to me heading into that, you guys know, Brian Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Williams said to me, you know, don't try and be Brian Williams. Don't try and be James Duffy. They, they have given you this role. You've earned this role because they want Jennifer Hedger up on that screen. And, um, and he was right. It sounds kind of like hokey, but I remember that. And I, and I, and I kind of took that to heart, I think, and that it's okay to be me. You still got to know what you're doing, but it's okay to not try and emulate everybody else you admire and, and just try and do your own thing. And it's, it's been working. Jennifer, more women are, given, are being given a chance now to be sports broadcasters. You were one of the first ones, at least to be doing it full-time on a major network. I'm wondering if, if young women come up to you and, and look up to you and, and ask you for advice, see you as kind of a role model. Yeah, they do. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's the greatest feeling. It, it kind of, it's very humbling, obviously. And it, it does make you feel old when I'm talking to a woman who's graduated university and she tells me that she grew up watching me. <laughs> I'm like, how old are you? Oh, you're 30. Okay. You've been watching me since you were 10. Cool. Cool. Um, it's, it's wonderful. And I embrace it more now, I think, than I used to. I used to just be sort of embarrassed and by it and, and not believe it. Um, but I, I take it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it, I guess. And I'm proud of the fact that, it's no longer a novelty to not only have a woman hosting a sports program, but for people to enjoy watching a woman host a sports program and not be um, cynical about it or think that this is an unusual thing or could she possibly do this job competently. Um, but I also love the fact that it's not just women in broadcasting, but, but women in sports. Like I, I love the fact that some of the, like that, Emily Kaplan was great during the NHL playoffs. Like she did such a good job between the benches and that someone like Haley Salvian can be 
an awesome sports writer and they're not just great female sports writers or broadcasters. They're just great broadcasters and writers. And we're sort of less looking at the byline, the Caitlin McGrath of the world. We're less looking at the byline of, of was it a man or a woman who wrote it and just enjoying the different voices, I think right now in sport. And um, if I had a, if I had a little bit to do with it, then, then awesome. Yay me. But it's just, it's a better place right now, I think, for women in the industry, and it's a good industry to be in. Okay, here's what everybody wants to know. We watched Free Agent Frenzy last week, and, and it <laughs> yeah. appears it appears that there's some sort of an agreement with, with you and Marty Baron that, that things won't go off. off the uh, Yeah, they won't go awry, and, and there's some mutual respect there, right? Totally. He's, well, he, I think he still feels bad about the whole thing because he, like, he looked like the Joker shooting a cannon at my abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, we had those those Klein twins in that were doing the hockey uh, the hockey tricks, and the first thing he says to me, Hedge, Hedge, I'm going to try and do this, you know, the this and that, I'm going to try and do this thing with my hockey stick. You make sure you're nowhere close, because I don't want any of this. This is a terrible French accent that I'm trying to do for Marty Baron. But, um, yeah, it's it's such a good ongoing gag, and honestly, it's the gift that keeps on giving, because you guys know some of those trade deadline shows are just dry as dust. And to be able to have an unscripted moment like that was awesome. And and credit to James Duffy, he's the one that comes up with these gags. Um, but yeah, no, Marty's Marty's great, and it's been a it's been a nice ongoing ruse um, for literally like at least six or seven years. I can't even remember what year it was that that happened. Well, Jennifer, I spent a summer in London. Uh, uh-huh. a pub down the street from me was called the Seeps. Did you ever go there? Oh, you know I did. The Seeps, Barney's, and Cools was kind of all on that Richmond Row strip in there. And the Seeps had the tables um, that you could, like, engrave your name into them, those big round tables. It was kind of like Seeps and Barney's, like Barney's is a patio to the Seeps. But here's a story about the Seeps. There was, um, my husband and I went in there and we ordered a shot of Jägermeister. And they poured it for us and it was not chilled. And anybody who drinks Jägermeister knows that that is a sin. You serve Jägermeister ice cold. And so, of course, my husband complained and said, why is this Jägermeister not chilled? And the dude behind the bar said, well, the Jägermeister chilling machine is sitting in my garage. I I didn't set it up in the bar. So my husband says, how much do you want for it? He said, 100 bucks. So we literally got his address. We drove there the next morning. Bought the Jägermeister machine, gave him five crisp 20s. He gave three of those 20s to his kid who wanted to buy the new Madden video game at the time. Kept two 20s for himself. We took the Jägermeister machine home and still have it and pull it out for a party party gag and serve chilled Jägermeister at our home from the machine that was supposed to be at the seat. Wow. There's wow. a story for you. Yeah. That's truth right there. That's a truth bomb. Let, let's end on this. What's the what, what do you like the most about your job? Doing highlights live on air. When you get mm. that red light go on and you get to get to do the highlights and bring them to life for the people that are at home watching that didn't get to see the game but want to know what happened, that's the best part. Jennifer, thanks very much. I wish we had more time. We'll have to have you back. Yes, guy. <laughs> wow, I like that. <laughs> Well done. Thanks very much. All right. Bye, guys. 
If you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park Managing Broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call Charles at 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.com. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 10. Yes, Guy, the radio show, TSN 1050. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you, when you need it the most, financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. Let's bring in Jeff Baker now from the Seattle Times. Has written a book about the Seattle Kraken startup. It's, the book comes out uh, in the fall. Jeff, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Great to be uh, back on the air in my in my home country. So uh, nice to talk to you, Jim. Oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the Canadian experience in, in a second. But this book, uh, Rising from the Deep, the Seattle Kraken, uh, tenacious rush or push for expansion, and the uh, in, in the Emerald uh, City Sports revival. I mean, this really speaks to the Sonics leaving and and, and sort of that down period. Can you take us through that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a book, not only for hockey fans. I mean, it, it, it's a sports book. It's a sports business book. And, and it really, a lot of people aren't aware of just how much of a struggle it was to get the Kraken to um, to Seattle. And it didn't start off necessarily as a push to get a hockey team there. Um, and when the Sonics left in 2008, it created a real winter sports void in, in Seattle. And one of the reasons they left is they couldn't get a new arena. And so it was a real fight to get a new arena built in Seattle. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened before that. They built a, a, a new baseball stadium with public funds for the Mariners. They built a new football stadium with public funds for the Seahawks. And by the time the Sonics came around, there was just no public appetite to give money away anymore to, to, to sports billionaires. And that, that's a huge reason why the Sonics left Seattle. And so there was a real fight after that um, to, to get an arena built. And, and the, the, the interesting story is it, it wasn't built with public funds. As we know, I mean, it was built with entirely public money. They basically used a, a $1.2 billion U.S. dollars to, to renovate Key Arena, uh, which was built for the 62 World's Fair in Seattle. And, and, that, and, and Tim Laiwiki did that, who everybody in Toronto is familiar with. Uh, Tim Laiwiki and his new Oakview group came in, did that, and, and that's kind of what led to the birth of the Kraken. But it's not as easy as I'm making it sound. There, there was competing arena groups. There was a lot of political resistance to it in Seattle. It was a pretty fascinating story about how it all came about. It was a, a I mean, there, there was a good, it was a good barroom brawl for about a decade uh, to get something done in Seattle, not known to be a city that that's easy to get things done in. And so that was, uh, in, in a lot of sense, when, when the Kraken took the ice last year, it was kind of, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it was kind of, I don't want to say the end of the story, but for a lot of people, it was kind of the end of the story. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't do so well on the ice. I think a lot of people, by the time they got there, were exhausted, took a bit of a breather, maybe too much of a breather. And, and, and now, you know, they, they kind of paid the price for it last year on the ice. And 
Um, but but just to get there was a huge triumph uh, for a lot of people. And so that that it's kind of the story of that and how they got there. Um, you know, the story of the Kraken last year probably wasn't the greatest uh, story of a debut franchise. So uh, we'll we'll put it at that. And um, but fortunately, the book only delves into that for a chapter or two. Jeff. You know, Jim talks a lot about, you know, to broadcasters. I talk to writers. What's the best thing about being a writer? Wow. Best thing about being a writer. I'll tell you, it's not as easy as people think. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, doing it professionally is not as easy as people think. Um, but, but what I like about writing, um, and especially with this book that we were talking about, I mean, you really get the freedom to be creative and to go a little deeper onto things. And to, uh, but I think a lot of yourself comes out in, in the words that you write. And uh, at least they do for me, especially when I'm working on longer investigative projects for the paper or, or things like that, when they really let you um, when they really let you go in depth. I think a lot of yourself comes out in your work. And uh, and that's why I tell people, you know, when they say, hey, uh, when's your next investigative project coming out? I tell them, hey, you, you've only got a few. You've only got so many of those in yourself every year and uh, you use them up and then you got to recharge. It's, it's, it's not as easy as, as as people think it is, even in our business, it's not as easy. But I, but I enjoy that. Um, and it, there is a perfectionism to writing. Um, I, I don't think your first draft is ever your best. Um, and, and I think your writing gets better as you rewrite it over and over and over and over again, which, uh, and not to keep plugging the book, which I'm going to do anyway, as you know, Perry, that's something you got to do. The, um, the, the fact with the book, it really was a lot of you submit the first draft and then you're writing it over and over and over again. And, and it just gets better and better. And, and I like that part about it because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. It would be like a golfer going out and trying to perfect their putt or perfect their swing. You never get it perfect. Um, but th there is something in, in the back of your brain that enjoys that. Just the, just the, the art of going through that over and over again. And I'm making it sound way too easy because it, writing is a bit torturous at times, especially when you're doing it in the middle of the night. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess there, there's certain personalities that are geared towards it. You know, Jeff, you're talking about reps, and, and I think if we applied it to uh, broadcasting, writing, performing, whether you're a singer or an actor, I mean, it's it's the reps that, that sort of gets you to the point where you can then sort of inject yourself into what you're doing. Would you agree with that? Oh, I, I definitely would. Yeah, and, and there, there's a difference when you're doing it professionally, too, as opposed to when you're a hobbyist and writing a journal and, and stuff like that. I mean, I've read some really, really well-written journals, but it, there's not the same. It's not the same when you're under pressure and you're, you're getting paid to do something for a living. Um, yeah, you know, and there's, there's good days and bad, and it's kind of, I would liken it to a ball player. You know, you play 162 baseball games. Um, you know, not all of them are going to be your best. And sometimes you do have to go through the motions one or two games, even though nobody will ever admit to it. And sometimes you do that in writing as well, because it's, it's a, uh, you know, when you're doing it professionally, there, there's, there's an element to it where, where you just have to put it in and do the job sometimes. And it can't all be art, but, but you do try to make it like art at times. And you try not to talk about it on the radio because then people think you're a little full of yourself, but that's, that's, you know that that's what it is. Yeah, I, I think reps 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 are a good way to say it. And the same thing playing baseball. There's a reason they go take batting practice. It's not because they're trying to hit the ball over the fence and 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 that's going to make them hit better in a game. It's the repetition of swinging. They just want to get into that that groove and that and that habit, and then uh, it, it becomes automatic. And I think writing's that way, especially when you write on deadline covering sporting events. Um, baseball was one. Baseball's a perfect way to. Uh, 
learn how to write on deadline because you're doing it night after night after night, and there's a pressure there as well, and it's not the same as, as writing on a blog or, or writing the morning after an event happens. You've got a, you know, a finite amount of space, and, and you got to fit it in, and you got to make it legible, and you got to make it look like it was written by a professional and not by uh, somebody who's writing for a high school paper. Jeff, thank you for explaining what it's like to be a writer because people don't understand the pressure of writing on deadline. <clears throat> now, having said that, the news broke this week that Eddie Olchek was leaving the Blackhawks as a broadcaster to come to Seattle. You wrote about it. I'm wondering if this is considered a big coup for Seattle, which is, a, you know, it's a new market, but to get somebody established like Eddie could be seen as being like a, a free agent signing. Yeah, it's a huge coup. And, and to be honest, we, we touched on it a little. I mean, the Kraken needs some, uh, some good PR. Um, you know, they didn't have a particularly good season. And, and you know, I, there's people that say, you know, they were never going to be the Golden Knights. And then that's great. Nobody in Seattle or anywhere around here ever thought they were going to be the Golden Knights, whether it was fans, team, uh, pundits, whatever. I mean, that, that's more of a national narrative that doesn't really exist here. What they expected was to be close to a 500 team. And um, because they spent $650 million, they expected to be a little bit better than they were. They expected to be a lot better than they were, to be honest. And, you know, they have a bit of a, not a credibility problem, but they have a bit of a watchability problem here in Seattle right now. Um, the ticket values of their season tickets have plunged on the open market. I mean, you can buy them for half price in some places, and, and their TV ratings were terrible uh, last year. They started off really well, and then about a month in, they, they kind of nosedived and hit the ground. And so I, I think Ultra coming in, yeah, helps them on that front. Um, I think it gives them one of the better – Broadcast, broadcast crews in, in the game of hockey between uh, Olchek and John Forslund and J.T. Brown, um, you know, was in his first year of broadcasting, of, doing broadcasting of any kind um, last year, and they're keeping him around and, and going to work him in as a broadcast as well. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes out. Um, but I think I think they really do have a, a an excellent broadcast crew. Now they got to get a team that kind of befits the broadcast crew. And, and that lives up to that uh, to that level of excellence. Um, and, you know, they, they don't have an infinite amount of time to do that either because, uh, as I've written, they're season ticket holders here. Uh, most of them have signed up for three-year minimums. They were forced to take three-year minimums, and that comes due after not this season but the season after that. And if they're not in the playoffs or fighting for a playoff spot by that point, uh, there's going to be some interesting uh, phone calls when they go calling looking for renewals on those tickets. Yeah, I was just going to ask you on the way out, uh, the honeymoon period. So you've, you've uh, detailed there. It's three years, isn't it? It's three years, yeah. Honestly, they got to start making some moves this year. Uh, you know, the Shane Wright thing helped uh, when, when they kind of lucked out with that and having Shane Wright tumble into their laps. Um, that, that, that got them some very good publicity here. I mean, Matty Beneers looks like a good, uh, very good prospect. They, they, they drafted him number two overall last year, came up for nine games, had a point a game during that stretch, but I mean, that's, that's not the same as an 82 game schedule. So, so we're just going to have to see, but that, you know, getting veneers and getting Shane Wright had zero to do with anything the front office did on this team or anything that the team did on the ice. That, that was kind of, uh, you know, gifted them automatically. Uh, last year they hadn't played a game when they had that number two overall selection. So they took veneers as most people would have done. And this year Shane Wright tumbles into their lap. Uh, it's an automatic pick. There's, there's no way you're going to go draft a defenseman who's going to be there in two or three years. You're going to take Shane Wright if you're the Kraken. So they haven't really done anything to merit those players. So now, now we got to see them try, sort of start to do stuff uh, on their own that, that kind of makes them better on the ice. And I, I really do think the people here are waiting to see that happen. There's a lot of competition 
in Seattle. You know, people like to say, especially, you know, out east when they haven't been within 2,000 miles of this market, and I'm not knocking you guys. I'm just saying I've heard this a lot uh, from, from national pundits. You know, they say Seattle's not like Vegas. And I said, you know, nobody here ever thought they were going to be. And you're right. It's not like Vegas. There, there's a lot of major professional sports going on in Seattle that they don't have in Vegas. At least they didn't before the football team moved there. there there's a lot of my, sort of, you know, second level professional sports like Major League Soccer going on here. There, there's a football team, a Pac-12 football program here with the Washington Huskies that's hugely popular, like, like a pro team. And then you got the Seahawks, the Mariners, you know, all that other stuff thrown in. You got a WNBA franchise. This isn't Vegas. This is a much more crowded sports market. And if you're going to be relevant in this sports market, you can't do what the Kraken did last year and be the third worst team in the NHL and pretend it was part of some master plan because it wasn't. They they had a draft strategy in the expansion draft. It didn't work out very well. And, uh, you know, Ron Francis was rightfully, rightfully, I think, criticized for a lot of that. And uh, now Francis has to show that he can uh, – he can put a quality team on the ice, and he does not have five or six years to do it. Um, he's he's got maybe three years, like you said, three years, uh, and and then if they don't have a decent team on the ice, it's pushing for a playoff spot, knocking on the door. Um, you know, there could be some problems. Jeff, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Hey, anytime, guys. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and, of course, all your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG, SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Stay safe, stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is perfect to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Well, Perry Lefko is off this segment, and we're going to do sort of a real estate mortgage uh, situation and, and sort of update the market in both areas. Dean Romani is with us. Charles Park, managing broker at Remax West Realty Brokerage, is with us as well. So first of all, Dean, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you? Very good, thanks. And Charles, you're there. How are you? I'm here, Jim. I'm ready to go. Thank you for having me. Our, our pleasure. So this is kind of a, a like a market update. So so let's start, Charles, with um, with inflation at 8.1%. How has that affected the real estate market? Actually, the predictions came in a little bit lower than expected, uh, which is, I guess, if you can call that good news, it is good news. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's still on the rise, but the rate at which it's increasing is a little, it subsided. So that's, uh, that's some positive news. However, the market is obviously reacting to, to any kind of news that kind of floats around the industry. So our total number of transactions are down. So the sensational headlines are like, you know, transactions are down, you know, 41 plus percent. Uh, but that's not something that people should be really, uh, you know, concerned with uh, because the average price of your home that you're in uh, is still remaining strong and will continue to do so going into the near future. 
Okay, Dean. Uh, the inflation rate is is a little higher, I think. than well, maybe the maybe the 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 lending rate increase goes up a little higher than than most people expect. There's the better way to say that. How has that impacted your business? Well, what it does is it it, it impacts the client's uh, purchasing power and uh, borrowing power because obviously now the contract rate has gone up, and when the banks qualify you through the stress test, it's the contract rate you're receiving plus two percent. So. Like right now, if you're looking at a five-year fix, that let's just say average of 5.4%, 5.35%, you got to add 2% on top of that to qualify. So people are qualifying for a lot less now than they were at um, the stress test of five and a quarter that was in place because, you know, a year ago or even six months ago, you could have gotten, you know, a variable mortgage at prime minus one, which was, you know, 1.45, and they had to qualify at five and a quarter. So, I mean, it's, it's come down a bit in the in the sense of purchasing power. Um like Charles said, I think anytime you hear any news like this or, you know, prime rates going up, people start to get a little nervous and there's a little, you know, there's a little halt in the in the industry where, you know, people are, are scared to buy or scared to sell or make any moves until things settle down a bit. You know, I, I think you'd both agree. Like when the market is hot, uh, you know, there, there's more activity, uh, obviously, than, than, than there is right now. And, and so w- when we get into the situation we're in now, a lot of the top end stuff, and I don't mean price wise, but a lot of the speculating or, or extraneous stuff goes away. But there are people that still need to buy and sell. So, so, Charles, for those that have to have transition in their life, what should they be aware of? I think location counts more than ever now. Uh, I think. When I was on your show uh, about a year ago, we were talking about how there was a homogenization to the market because uh, the pandemic, people were working from home. It almost didn't matter where you lived because you could work from home, right? But now, as offices reopen and people are coming back into the core and that the employers are starting to say, hey, you know what, uh, maybe we'll give you a hybrid work environment. Like, now you still got to commute. So what we're seeing is strong growth coming back into the 416. That's where the competition is. That's where the stability exists. And the greatest decreases, but the greatest opportunities, right, were in those market areas that were on the fringe. They, they increased the most, but now they've also come down the most. So, so Dean, you were talking about stress tests. Um, you know, what kind of an exercise should people go through so that they're in better shape to go through that stress test? So, I mean, definitely call me. We can uh, go over a pre-approval and see what they can afford on paper. Uh, and go from there. That's the first thing that I always recommend anyone to do, whether it's a hot market, slow market, whatever market we're in, get pre-approved, get your finances in place. And I always tell people, just because you were pre-approved for X amount of dollars doesn't mean you have to take all that. So, I mean, practicing financial, uh, you know, just, you know, know, know your financial senses in the sense that, hey, you know, things can change. Um, do you want to be stuck you know, paying at 800000 or 900000 or even a million dollars because, Jim, lately, like the mortgage that we were doing, they, you know, the average size was seven, eight, $900,000. Um, so long are the days where you see $200,000 mortgage applications. Hmm. So, you know, you, you, you want people to, you know, be financially sound and, and make the right decision and tell them, say, hey, I know you're pre approved for nine hundred. doesn't mean you got to take 900000 right? Yeah. Um, another thing is also, I, listen, I've been a variable person from day one. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a risk. It's a gamble. So right now, yes, uh, you know, people who are in, in um, variable mortgages are obviously, you know, paying a lot more interest than they were before. But um, I also tell people if you're if you're risk adverse and you're nervous, take the fixed. And a lot of people are, are you know, who took the fixed a year ago are, are thanking me now because the rates are much higher than they were, um, you know, even six months ago. Right. 
Yeah. So Charles, uh, Dean's really talking about getting the, you know, the financial house in order and sort of monitoring that and, and, and sort of pushing it uh, in the right direction if it's not already there. Um, from your standpoint, uh, I would suggest to you, and you correct me if I'm wrong, um, you're a full service uh, brokerage and, and full service is, is more valuable now than, than it ever was, isn't it? The research that a full-time realtor provides is really second to none. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for my colleagues that are out there that you know, are successful at being part-time realtors, but I think what uh, more so than ever now, you need that, uh, that, per- that person who's uh, got the pulse of the market, uh, studies the market on a daily basis, almost an hourly basis now because things seem to change so quickly. So, uh, you, know, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, but, you know, I'm a full-time realtor. I have been for, for decades now, and, you know, I can associate better with the people that are obviously in tune, just like this conversation that we're having right now with what's happening in the market than someone who kind of comes at you and says, you know what, oh, geez, I didn't know that. That's, that's often not a great conversation to be had. Yeah, so I, you know, I have to be transparent here. The three of us know each other. We've worked with each other. When I was in real estate, uh, I think we first met either 2008 or 2009, and that wasn't a great market. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to uh, – I'll ask Dean this question, and, and then, Charles, you just jump in behind him because that's how we always got along. Uh, yep. So, I mean, and Dean, does this remind you of, of 2008, 2009? And, and, and can you take that your expertise from back then and apply it to this? Yeah, so it's absolutely not. So it doesn't remind me of that because I think we're in two different situations. In 2008, 2009, I think we were more in a financial crisis with what was going on in the States and and all that. Right now, we're under an inflation uh, crisis. So two different, two different, absolutely two different uh, topics here. uh, But what I say here is when there's, like I said, when there's uncertainty in the market, it's going to halt. Like, like, like it's, you know, Charles will give you better numbers on, on how many house sales are happening, but you know, people are going to be nervous and they're going to make, uh, take their time to make decisions. And don't forget, like people who are already locked into five-year mortgages, it doesn't really affect them with the interest rates going up because they're in their mortgage. Even if they took it last year, I mean, we're looking at hopefully I would, you know, a year to 18 months before the bank of Canada will start to reverse, um, you know, prime rate to, you know, bring it down a bit. Um, and you know what? We're, we're strong. Uh, we're, we're, we're strong. I think Canada did the right thing in the sense that with the stress tests and everything like that. So they know that, you know, everyone who qualifies for a mortgage, even if it was variable, can handle these uh, rate increases if they're in a variable mortgage. Um, and, and keep in mind, Jim, not all lenders um, on their variable mortgage increase payment as prime goes up. So, for example, some banks, will, if, if you signed up and your payment was, $1,500 a month, it'll stay at $1,500 a month, even though the prime's gone up until a certain point, obviously. But just your interest portion will be higher than your principal portion. So, you know, and some lenders are, you know, they're adjustable. So what will happen is when, when prime does go up, they'll increase your payment to reflect, uh, to keep the amortization the same. But yeah, I don't believe it's the same industry. I mean, listen, back to basics. You got to, you know, when the market takes a lull like this, you got to, you know, put your time in, you make your calls. Be available for the calls that come in and, uh, you know, do your work. And, um, you know, we're here 20 years later. I mean, look at Charles. You know, Charles was saying, how many decades have you been in this business, right? Yeah. yeah. 20 years later, we're still here. We're still we're still producing numbers and, and you know, and we're still helping out everybody, right? There's opportunity yeah. everywhere in a, in a slow market or a busy market. I've got to completely agree with Dean on the uh, the comparison. 2008 uh, was a complete, you know, that was the U.S. subprime crisis. We realized how uh, intertwined our two economies are. 
this is not the same thing. I would compare this to the early 1970s when we were seeing uh, similar increases in inflation, uh, a similar, uh, you know, like, you know, a, a similar crisis with energy and, uh, and, and, and so forth. But, you know, the Bank of Canada is, is driving down inflation by increasing uh, interest rates. So we, we know that this is the, the, the tool in the chest of the federal government to use in order to combat inflation. And there's a greater issue here than just real estate and, and how much people are paying on the mortgage. That is a component, a major component of our economy, but it is not the biggest. Uh, if you look at the core inflation rate, when you take out uh, all of the energy stocks and all the food, the, you know, we're, we're still seeing astronomical growth in inflation. So I agree with what the federal government is doing to a certain extent. The question is, how long? Yeah, that's. I, I guess that's the fear factor of the headline. Is anytime you see a rate or even a, a, a hint from a, a Bank of Canada official, you, you you tend to push that forward into a into a bad area. So, uh, you know, just to wrap this up from from each of you, we'll start with Dean. One piece of sound advice. It just sounds to me like everybody should be talking more with their mortgage broker and, and the real estate uh, representative, just because to to, to sort of uh, be updated on on a daily basis and just sort of be in the loop more as opposed to, I want to do this now. It just requires a lot more conversation and work, doesn't it, Dean? It absolutely does. I always tell everybody, call your mortgage broker. You have questions, we're here for you. We set you up to begin with. I've always got my clients back 100%. Always call, um, always get some advice. I mean, another thing I'd like to say is that if you're in your variable mortgage now, don't panic, don't lock in. Um, You know, uh, my suggestion is to keep it where it is as variable because if you're locking in, you're going to be locking in a lot higher than you're paying right now. And with Prime, you know, they're talking about Prime maybe another quarter uh, in September. Um, you'll still be better off in the variable. So stick with it. If you have any questions, give me a call. We could, I could tell you ways how to, you know, uh, minimize your risk on the variable um, while keeping the same amortization. So, yeah, um, always get in touch with, you know, with your, your mortgage professional and get some sound advice. And as always, I'm always here to help. Dean, I think uh, we, we briefly talked about uh, how there's going to be a delayed reaction in regarding monthly payments. Not all financial institutions handle this variable monthly payment the same way. I think it's an important uh, point to point out to the, to the listeners that if you haven't seen an increase in your monthly payments, probably because you're with one of the better banks, but for those, there are the other uh, lending institutions where if you're on a variable, uh, you're going to see your monthly payment uh, start to change immediately. Yes. Guys, thanks very much. Really appreciate the both of you appearing on Yes Guy. And, and of course, appreciate your, your support and friendship over the years. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank Same you. All right, take care. Homeowners and first-time buyers, if you are considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. As you heard, Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. And if you're looking for real estate advice, talk to Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage. You can call him at 647-292-8886 or email him at charles at remaxwest.com. Let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors, let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, no guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the officially sanctioned Yes Guy radio show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. In the spirit of ESPN and the SBs, the Yes Guy show should have the Yes Bees. 
No, the Yes Guy Awards would, would do it, Guy. The Yes Bees is, uh, no, no, sorry, Guy, no Guy. Hard no Guy to that. Wow. Yes Guy, no Guy. Best British Open finish ever. No, because it's the Open Championship, not the British Open. Get it right, Guy. Oh, Guy. Oh, I see you're in that kind of a mood today. Well, one more from you, and then we have to go. Go ahead, sir. To beat the heat, we should go over to Jennifer Hedger's house for some cool Jagermeister shots. Oh, I, I like that. That's a good plan. And we'll end on this. Yes, guy, no guy. Eddie O is going to love Seattle. Yes, guy. Nice fit. Um, and you are alarmed, by the way. Yes, guy, no guy. You're alarmed at the Seattle Kraken ticket prices and low TV ratings. It's reason to be concerned, yes, guy, but Eddie O will save the franchise. Got to go. Thanks for stopping by. Yes, guy.